Aren't you glad that you can be part of a, a place where you can go and get watered, get fed, get nurtured, get built up? Aren't you glad for IFC? You know, when we can come together and worship God with such an awesome band and worship team and experience the presence of God, I think that's just so good. You know, over those 44 decades, Pastor Josh, uh, I've never been disappointed coming to IFC for myself. I've never been disappointed because I always come with the with, with the, the, the heart and the intention to worship God, to minister to Him, and, and He never disappoints. He never lets me down. He's always there for me. Aren't you glad the Lord is always there for you? He's always so good, so faithful, no matter what season you're in. Praise God. Well, again, Pastor Josh, thank you for allowing me to share this morning. I thought I'd uh, share with you about the prosperous soul, the prosperous soul. Uh, God wants your soul to do well in life. He wants you to uh, prosper, to thrive, and to succeed. How many want to thrive and succeed in your personal life, in every endeavor, in every human relationship? That's God's best. That's God's highest. So let's take a look at the prosperous soul. Father, we do thank you today that we can come into your presence, that we can unhook, unload, drop the baggage, come into your presence and receive strength, encouragement, affirmation. Lord, we thank you that your presence is here today, and we thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit to us. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you've given us eyes to see and ears to hear what you desire to do in and through us. So, Lord, our eyes are open, our ears are open, our heart is ready to receive your word today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. amen. Reading from 3 John chapter 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you. And that you may be in good health, even as your soul is well. God wants your soul to be well. He wants your soul to be well. The King James Version says it this way, the New King James, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. Aren't you glad for financial prosperity? Aren't you glad for physical health, healing, and wholeness? But it says here, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So financial prosperity, physical healing, and God's promises for your health and healing are conditional. They're based on what happens on the inside of your soul. Amen. Amen. Health, the word health is... Uh, not just physical health, but it's, it's the Greek word hugianio, and it means to be well, to be safe, sound, wholesome, uncorrupt. That's what God wants to happen. That's what God wants to you know, take place on the inside of your heart, your soul. He wants your heart, your soul to be well, to be safe, to be sound, to be wholesome and uncorrupted by the things that are around us. Amen. Amen. Prosper. What does it mean to prosper? It means to succeed in reaching. It means to have an expeditious journey. It means to fulfill the destiny in your life, to fulfill the call of God that's on your life. How many know that's a journey? It's a lifelong journey to fulfill our destiny, to fulfill the plan and the purpose of God that he has for our lives. Well, it all begins in the soul. That part of you. Pastor Josh talked about last week about you're, you're a spirit possessing a soul, living in a body. Say, I'm a spirit. 
I have a soul and I live in a body. And we're going to address the soulish part of you today. That soulish part is your mind, your will, your emotions, your thinker, your feeler, your chooser, put it that way. All of us have one. And so how should we define, and I like to define, you know, a prosperous soul, a healthy soul this way. Remember, it's three parts, your will, your mind, and your emotions. Well, a healthy soul has a will that is yielded to the spirit, yielded to the spirit man. Remember, you are a spirit, and your will needs to cooperate with your spirit. Now, God doesn't break the human will. Contrary to traditional thinking, God's not up there formulating difficult circumstances in your life to try to crush you, to try to break you. No, that's what the enemy does. He wants to crush your will. But what God does is he nurtures us and affirms us so that we have a strong will to choose him. A will that is yielded to your spirit man. That's a healthy soul. A mind, your thinker that is renewed to the scriptures, a mind that thinks like God. That's a healthy soul. There's all kinds of narratives in our world today. Uh, in the media, we can, you know, it's just so much chatter and, and you can pick up someone's offense or you can pick up someone's ideas or you can pick up someone's emotions and let that be your narrative. But as we sung today, Jesus' story is my story. That's the narrative I'm going to declare over my life. A mind that is renewed with the scriptures is a healthy soul. So we have our will, we have our mind, and then we have our emotions, which is really a byproduct of what you're doing with your thinker and your chooser. If you're thinking like God, if you're choosing to follow after your spirit, man, guess what's going to be evident in your life? You're going to have an emotional state of peace and joy you're going to have the presence of God flowing out of your life. Rather than a heart that's filled with care and anxiety, bowed down by the pressures of life, you're bubbling up on the inside. You have some buoyancy about you. You've got joy in your soul. You've got gladness in your soul. You've got peace that passes all understanding because you have purpose to yield your spirit, your soul to your spiritual man. And you've chosen to think like God, to get your mind rewired. How many know sometimes we need some rewiring? We need to pull out a few sockets and wires here out of the wall. Some of us need to rip down the wall and pull out that old cord, you know, elect electrical wires and put in some new up-to-code wires, right? How many know that God's Word is up-to-code? You get your mind renewed to the, to the Word of God, you're going to have a healthy soul. And so as we look at that scripture, 3 John 2, there's more to read. Look at verse 3 and 4, 3 John 3 and 4. It says, for I, Paul, uh, John is speaking here. He says, I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. And I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. John is saying, John was the closest of the disciples to Jesus. He was in his inner circle. He embraced the heart of Jesus. I believe John the apostle had the heart of Jesus. He had the heart of God. And God's heart for you and I is that we would prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. But there's a condition there. Our soul has to be anchored to truth. 
the truth of God's word has to be that anchor that changes what's on the inside. So if you want things to change on the outside, guess, guess what's got to change first? Something on the inside has got to change. Maybe it's your choices. Maybe it's your thinking. Maybe it's uh, your emotions and what you're holding on to. Amen. Amen. The truth, Jesus said, will set you free. What truth do you need to walk in in order to guarantee that you have a successful journey with the Lord? What truth is he talking about? Two things. Number one, the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel. The four gospels that we read gives us a beautiful picture of the heart of the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And when you read the, three, the four gospels, you will find Jesus full of grace and truth, extending mercy, extending forgiveness, bringing health and healing to those that are broken. Amen. For three and a half years, God entrusted him with a healing ministry. And that's all Jesus did. Every Sabbath, he would heal the sick. He would forgive sin. Compared to the, 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 the self-righteous Sadducees and Pharisees who put heavy burdens on people, no, 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 not Jesus. Jesus came down to the hurting and broken, and he extended free forgiveness, free healing, free provision for their lives. That's the milk of God's word. And you know, when you first get born again, when people come to Jesus, when they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they've just experienced a touch. And now they need to get acquainted with Jesus. How are you going to get acquainted with Jesus? How are you going to know who he is? How are you going to understand what he wants to do in your life? You need to pick up the milk. Anybody got milk? Remember the got milk commercials? Right? You know, when they're drinking milk, they got that happy face, right? Amen. But as new believers, we're, the Bible says that we are to desire the pure milk of God's word. And if you'll sit yourself and read the four gospels over and over and over again, you will come to a conclusion that God is good, that I have a father and he's good and he can only do me good. He only has my best intentions in mind. All the days of my life, I can run to him and know that he will treat me with love, with compassion, with grace, and with mercy. Amen. How do you know that? How can you discover that? You find it in the four gospels. I guarantee you, you read through the four gospels over and over again, you will discover that God is a good God. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. That's shouting ground right there. Praise God. I serve a God. He is a good, good father. Hallelujah. How do I know that? Because I've seen the Father through the life and the ministry of Jesus. I've seen the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. His love, His grace, His mercy, His kindness. Read through the Gospels. I'll, I'll put myself in the shoes of those that are in need. The woman with the issue of blood. Blind Bartimaeus. Others in the Gospel that were in a place of brokenness or blindness and in oppression. I put myself in those shoes and I see Jesus reaching out and ministering to me. Or you can flip the coin. I put myself in Jesus' shoes and I see myself reaching the lost, touching the broken, healing the hurting. Amen. That's the picture God wants to place in our heart. That's the truth of the gospels. The second area of truth is the truth of the letters. The letters of Paul, the letters of John, the letters of Peter. These are love letters sent to the church. This is the meat. Everybody say meat. meat. 
How many like a good steak? I'm looking forward to a good steak this afternoon. Come on. I love my steak and eggs. I love, you know, four eggs in the morning, whip that thing up, put in some onions and banana peppers and, and salt and pepper and grass-fed butter and a little olive oil. Just, man, and cheese, lots of cheese. Oh, yeah, all that, all that, that protein, right? And a ribeye steak, man, when you eat that ribeye steak, you need to eat all the trim fat on that steak. You need to devour that thing. Take it. All that stuff is good. That's protein. You know what protein does? It builds your faith muscle. It builds your faith muscle. It's what gives you the ability to overcome your adversary, the devil. It's the ability. It's what gives you the ability to overcome in life, to live strong, to be strong. Hallelujah. You know, Peter made mention about Paul's ministry. And he said, regarding Paul's letters, he said he had wisdom given to him from God. But he also said that Paul's letters were hard to understand. And so that, when, that, that verse always intrigued me. So I, I recognized that Paul's letters were not like some novel or book that you pick up at the bookstore. These are truths that God the Father communicates to you and I by the Holy Spirit. So they need to be spiritually discerned. So when you read the letters, you need to go to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, open my eyes that I can see. Open my ears so that I can hear. Begin to pray in the Holy Spirit and watch those letters come alive to you. Watch God minister grace into your life. When you gaze into the scriptures and you, you feed on it, and you allow Jesus to speak to you through it, man, we need the meat. But before we can get to the meat, we got to have some milk. Amen. Without the Holy Spirit and his ability to communicate to us, we would find, you know, reading through the Bible, you know, all these words and phrases just going right over our head. But thank God he put the Holy Spirit in your life. When you were born again, the Holy Spirit took up residence in your life. And you now have the ability, the capacity to understand everything that's been given to you in the book. Amen. Think of the powerful truths in the letters of Paul. We find acceptance God has forgiven us. God has extended grace to us and mercy. He gave us forgiveness through his son, Jesus Christ. He made us the righteousness of God in him. We can stand with full confidence without inhibition before the throne room of God and pray just as if Jesus was praying himself and see God move in our life. Acceptance. He's given us security. You'll discover that God has already gone into your future, and he's secured the future for you. He secured your eternity because of your faith in Jesus Christ. How about identity? When we read the scriptures, when we read Paul's letters, we begin to discover we're sons and daughters. We are in Christ. We have identity. We have identity with him. Hallelujah. Purpose. We also have purpose. We read in the letters of Paul that God has a destiny on our life. We are called by him. He has a calling for your life. Hallelujah. That, those things need to be revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. Aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit? He is such a gentleman. 
We have to give him opportunity to work in our life by simply giving him the invitation. Holy Spirit, come open my eyes, open my ears, open my heart. You remember when Jesus was with his disciples at the Last Supper, he began to tell them about the Holy Spirit and his work and his ministry that would take place in their life. But then he said this, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you cannot bear it now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. You remember the story of the apostle Paul. He was on his road to Damascus, persecuting the church, persecuting Christians, and God intervened. Jesus became Lord of his life and the Holy Spirit committed to him two thirds of the New Testament. The Holy Spirit revealed what God did through Jesus from the cross to the throne. It was packaged. I believe angels watched over that, guarded that revelation, and it's been committed from one generation to the next so that you and I, when we sit down in the morning having our bulletproof coffee, (laughs) amen, and we're just enjoying that coffee, And we got the book open, and we're reading that scriptures, and all of a sudden, they start lifting off the page. All of a sudden, you're having a dialogue and a conversation with the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's intimately talking to you. He's encouraging you. He's admonishing you. He might be correcting you. He might be pointing things out to you concerning your future. Hallelujah. We need to have more dialogues with our Lord first thing in the morning. Can you say amen? How does the Holy Spirit reveal truth to you? He does it through your spirit, man. The spirit bears witness with your spirit as you're reading scripture. It'll come alive to you. There'll be a resounding sense of peace. This is for me. This is is concerning my life. But you know, he also teaches through others. The Holy Spirit will teach through gifts. God placed in the church gifts, apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors. Aren't you glad we have some wonderful gifts in the house? Pastor Josh and Pastor Stephanie. There's a grace on their life. There's an ability in their life, God-given, to impart revelation to us. Hello? But we need to put ourselves in a position to receive our pastors, to allow them to speak into our lives. How many know the Holy Spirit can speak through them and to impart truth to you? Amen? How about the person sitting next to you? How about the body of Christ? Every one of us have unique experiences. Every one of us are on a journey with Jesus. Every one of us have maybe been in the valley and been on the mountaintop. Every one of us have experienced a test, pressure in life, and saw God move and answer prayer and turn things around so that now we have a testimony. That might be someone next to you. You can learn from somebody else. You can learn from your brother and sister in Christ. You ought to be able to learn from anybody. Amen. I have no problem learning from anybody, young or old. In fact, it would be good as you get older that you keep learning more. You ever meet someone who's just, you know, set in their ways, they're ornery, they're crotchety, they got a scowl on their face. You can tell, man, they look like tough company. And they're at the place where they think they know it all. If you do that, you're, you're dead. Your life is over. Always be in a place where you can learn. 
Learn from our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have a wealthy family right here, a wealth of experience right here that we can draw from. The Holy Spirit can use someone to speak to you if he's not getting your attention at home. Oh, boy, that's true. It's true. You know, whatever life has thrown at you, whatever hurt or disappointment that you're dealing with in the soul, your emotions, or your thoughts, whatever agitation you're dealing with, recognize that Jesus paid the price for your soul to be whole. If we will look to the cross, he will make our bitter experiences sweet. You think about Israel's story when they came out of bondage and slavery. Certainly, they had bitter experiences. And as they came out of the wilderness, they went to an oasis called Morah. There were 12 palm trees there. And they're, they're, they're journeying through the wilderness, a desert wilderness. And, and they're thirsty. They need water. And they come to the waters of Morah. And they're bitter. And God gave Moses some instruction. He says, take that tree and throw it in the water. And when the tree was applied to the water, the waters were made sweet. And that's a picture of the cross. If we will apply the cross to our life, everything bitter in our life, he will turn sweet. He will remove the bitterness, the resentment, the hurt, the anger. He'll pull it out of your soul and he'll put something else there. He'll put his peace. He'll put his joy. He'll put his love so that you can be whole. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. When Isaiah was looking forward into the future, some 750 years, he saw the coming of the Messiah. But it wasn't in glory. He saw a suffering servant. He writes it in Isaiah chapter 53. He sees Jesus on the cross and he writes it this way, that Jesus, the Messiah, has no form or majesty that we should look upon him nor appearance that we should desire him. Verse 3, he says, He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely Jesus has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded Crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Jesus. And by his stripes we are healed. The crushing of Jesus there on the cross was meant to bring wholeness into your soul. Forgiveness of sins came into your life and it brought your spirit. Your spirit was raised from the dead. But guess what? Your soul needed healing. Your body needed healing. I like what the Amplified Version says, the chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. If we'll look to the cross, he will make our soul whole. Hallelujah. Peter, looking back on the cross, he quotes this very same verse from Isaiah 53. He says here in 1 Peter 2, Verse 24, he, Jesus himself, bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness, and by, whose, by his wounds we are healed. 
That healing is not just for the physical body, it's for your soul. He wants your soul healed. He wants your soul well so that you can prosper. But he goes on to say, verse 25 is connected with verse 24. He says, for you were as sheep going astray. We all were sheep going astray, going our own way. But he says here at verse 25, but now have been returned to the shepherd and the guardian of your souls. You were once under the thumb and the oppression of the adversary, Satan himself, the God of this world. You were under his thumb and under his oppression, but there came a day when Jesus came into your life and now you've been returned back to the care of the good shepherd. He's your bishop. He's your shepherd. He's the guardian, the caretaker of your soul. Hallelujah. When you're born again and you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you've got a new confession. It's no longer someone done me wrong song. You've got a new song. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Hallelujah. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Come on, somebody. He leads me in paths of righteousness. And even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me, your rod and staff, they comfort me. That's the confession of a believer. Hallelujah. He's our good shepherd. He's with you. He's for you in every season of life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I love Psalm 23 from the Amplified Version. It really spells it out for us. That Jesus wants to be a good shepherd. He wants to shepherd you. He wants to care for you. He wants to guard you. The Amplified Version puts it this way. The Lord is my shepherd to feed, to guide, and to shield me. I shall not want. Verse 2, he lets me lie down in green pastures. That's a place of feeding. A lush green pasture where you can be nourished and fed and cared for. He leads me beside the still and quiet waters. Places of peace. Places where the presence of God causes all the storms in your life to just settle down. He refreshes and restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And verse 4 says, even though I walk through the sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And Pastor Josh was making mention of this last week. Your rod to protect and your staff to guide, they comfort and console me. The good shepherd has a club a short device, and the shepherd's club was used to ward off predators that would try to devour the sheep. That club was in defense of the sheep. In other words, God is our defense. God is our protector. God watches out for the adversary that wants to devour you and I. Hallelujah. And then there's the staff, the guide, a long stick, like a walking stick with a curl on the top. You've probably seen illustrations of that. And that stick was as the sheep are going through the journey, he would just tap, lightly tap the sheep on the side of its belly and to keep them going in the right direction. The rod and the staff, God's word. God's word will protect your soul. 
God's word will establish boundaries in your soul, especially in the area of relationships. God's word will give you insight as to what's good, what's holy, what's wholesome, and what's not good for you. We all need boundaries. Let's let the word of God give us those boundaries. Amen. The rod, the staff, they comfort, they console. We need the comfort and the consolation of the Holy Spirit in our life. And that doesn't come unless we make a quality decision to feed on the Word of God every single day. Take time every day to get alone. Find your green pasture at home. Find that still waters at your place. I'm not talking about driving in the car and talking to God. I mean, those, that's good. That's great. While you're doing things, you can pray. But there's got to be a moment of solace in your daily life where you get quiet, where things are shut down, and you're listening for God to speak to you. If you sit down in your favorite place and open up the scriptures and say, Lord, I'm here. I'm, my, my eyes are upon your word. My ears are open. Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. And Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, he will give you rhema for your life. He will take the logos that's on that written page and turn it into rhema where there's, there's power, there's grace flowing out of your life because you received a word from God. You don't need to get a word from God from someone else when you can each and every morning have a word delivered to you by the Holy Spirit in your private personal moment with Him. Hallelujah. That's where peace is released. That's where joy comes. Listen to the psalmist declare his love for the word of God. In Psalm 119, it's the longest psalm in all of the psalms. And the, the whole chapter is all about loving the Word. Loving the Word. If you love Jesus, you will love the Word. If you love Jesus, you will take time to sit at His feet and listen to what He has penned in the Scriptures. Psalm 119, I love the, the Passion Translation. Listen to the desire of the psalmist his hunger and, and, and appreciation for the word. Verse 11 says, I consider your prophecies to be my greatest treasure. And I memorize them and write them on my heart to keep me from sinning against you. Verse 105, truth shining light guides me in my choices and decisions. The revelation of your word makes my pathway clear. Isn't it good to be confident that the decisions you're making are spot on? That they're going to yield fruitfulness, productivity. Amen. Verse 130. Break open your word within me until revelation light shines out. Those with open hearts are given insight into your plans. And then finally, uh, verse 162. Pastor Stephanie shared this. Last Sunday, your promises are the source of my bubbling joy. The revelation of your word thrills me like one who has discovered hidden treasure. Hallelujah. Do you love the word today? Do you love Jesus? If you love Jesus, you will make time for his word. You will make time for him to speak to you, to affirm you, and to encourage you. Hallelujah. We're going to take a moment in the service today to make an altar right here up front. And I want to encourage you to make a fresh commitment to the Word of God. 
tell the Lord, I invite you into my closet. You know, we all have something in the closet. You know, you ever have friends and family or, or company over to your house and before they get there, what do you do? You clean up house and what do you do? Throw everything into the closet, right? The only problem is after all the festivities are done, we don't clean out the closet. And sometimes that's the case. When we come to church, we put on our happy face. We got things in the closet. We don't open up to one another. We don't love one another. We don't allow, you know, the opportunity for ministry to take place amongst us. Hello? Want to make an opportunity for you to open up your heart to the Lord. Open up your closet. Open up that private area of your life. It's a hard thing just between you and God. And say, Lord, come into my closet. Lord, pull out the things, the agitations, the hurt, the bitterness, the disappointment, the loss, the grief, the sorrow, whatever it is that you might be dealing with in your heart. You know, the longer they stay there, the more difficult it becomes to get it out of your heart. But you can do that today. Get a fresh start with the Lord. Would you stand with me? We're going to take time to worship God. And as we sing these songs, I invite you. We're going to make an altar before the Lord. And if you want to come down up front as a, as a step of faith that, Lord, I'm leaving this old place. I'm coming to a new place. I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of this anger. I'm going to get rid of this bit, uh, bitterness. I'm going to get rid of this grief or, or this sorrow that I've been dealing with. God wants your soul to be well. And he is the bishop of your soul. He is the guardian of your soul. He is the shepherd of your soul. Allow him to minister to you with his touch today. Let's worship God. Lift up your hands and begin to worship God. As we're worshiping here, I just had this picture of someone being struck down from behind. I see Jesus coming up from behind and touching you and say, get up, get up, get up. You have a call to fill. You have a call to fulfill. You have a future that is bright. You have promise in your life. It's not over. Get up from your place. Let me lift you up out of that place. Let me bring you forward into your future. If that's you, open your heart and say, give the Lord that, that situation. Give the Lord that, that hurt, that disappointment. Give the Lord whatever words that are entertaining in your thought life. Maybe you're rehearsing this event that's happened to you over and over again and you just seem like you're stuck. Jesus is saying to you, get up, get up, get up. I'm with you, I'm with you. I'm walking with you. I'm walking through this journey of life with you. Don't let it keep you down. Don't let it keep you down. No, no, no. There's a plan, a good plan for your life. Just lift your hands just a few moments. Just take a few moments. Open your heart to him. I don't want to rush this. Open your heart to him. Let go of that bitterness. Let go of that resentment. Let go of that thing that replays itself in your mind and your emotions. 
Let Jesus come in and take that agitation out of your soul. Lord, we open our hearts to you. Come into our closets. Lord, we choose to forgive. We choose to let go. We choose to say yes. Take us by the hand. Lead us into the future. We don't know what's around the corner, but you do. Remove the fear, remove the agitation, remove the anxiety. Remove the depression out of our, our, out of our hearts and lives. Jesus, touch us. Jesus, touch us. Jesus, good shepherd, touch our hearts. Set us free. Bring liberty, bring freedom into our hearts. Heal our soul, Lord. Make us whole. Make us whole.